1 Peter. As we look into God's Word this morning, one of the things that sub-themes, I guess we could call it, that has been running through many of the messages is the Bible is its own best commentary. If you really want to understand the Bible, read uh, what the Bible says about itself. And so I want us to look at a few verses that uh, may not be the most pleasant verses for us to understand, but uh, are part of our relationship with God. First Peter chapter 1, we're going to start reading in verse 6. It says, "...wherein ye greatly rejoice." Now, we greatly rejoice through verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now, for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found under praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Now, this is Peter writing here, and he is writing about a time in our life. If you have not experienced it yet, you will. Maybe we have some that are right in the midst of the trying of their faith. If you have been here on Thursday nights, uh, the last several Thursday nights, we're going through... uh, the general letter of John, we're in 1 John chapter 4, and the command there is to try the spirits, whether they be of God. Uh, there's an awful lot of stuff out there that claims to be of God that really isn't, and God has given that responsibility for us to test, to see what is being said. That's why oftentimes, uh, from the very beginning of this church to the present, I will tell you, listen to the preaching and go home and make sure that what I'm preaching is in the Bible. If it's in the Bible, then you have a responsibility toward God, not toward me. I'm just a signpost. I'm just pointing in the right direction. But if if I'm pointing in the right direction, if I'm telling you what this book says, then you have a responsibility directly to God to do What the Bible says, to act upon the Word of God. That's faith. Faith cometh by, and hearing by, and the just shall live by. There we go. His faith. We're going to get it. That's Habakkuk. You see, that faith has got to be personal. It's got to be real in your life. You can't live by your mother's faith or your brother's faith or your husband, or your wife, or your children. Children, you can't live by your parents' faith. It's got to belong to you personally. Amen? You see, we have a responsibility to try the spirits. God has given us 
a book called the Bible. This is the test. We can put this up and we can tell whether someone's telling us the truth or not. Now, of course, you have to understand something. The better the liar, the closer to the truth. And you have to study your Bible to know where, where this is going on. But God says He is going to put your faith to the test. Not you. I've heard a lot of preaching over the years. Why don't you just try something by faith for God? Put your faith to the test. I don't find that in the Bible. What, what I find is being obedient. You see, the hardest thing to do as a Christian is to live today. It's easy. How many of you, when you are a little kid, I'm going to be a fire truck when I grow up. Or whatever you might have, an astronaut, I'm going to be this, I'm going to be that. How many of you really became what you thought you were going to be when you were 10 years old? I sure didn't. The Lord just changed everything in my life, and I'm glad He did. Amen? Uh, I'm glad that He put me where I am and put me on the road that I am. But the Lord is the one that's going to try... He's the one that's going to test your faith. Do you ever wonder why sometimes it's just hard to serve the Lord? Well, maybe God's putting you under some tests. Now, let's look at the passage here. And then I want us to go to an Old Testament passage. It, <clears throat> I believe is the commentary on this one that will illustrate for us exactly how that God does try our faith. It says that, We greatly rejoice in our salvation in verse 6. If you're glad that you're saved today, could you just say amen? Amen. If you're glad you know you're saved today, say amen. Amen. If you're glad the IRS can't tax it away, say amen. amen. Now, don't cheat on your taxes, but don't give them any more than you're supposed to. Amen? Then you have to. Uh, What is it? Tax avoidance? Good. Tax evasion? Bad. Uh, Don't do that. Uh, Be honest. But listen, aren't you glad that the government does not regulate your relationship with God? Aren't you glad we live in a free society in which we're able to worship God according to our own conscience? By the way, your own conscience ought to be controlled by the Word of God. Amen? Uh, That is the test. And we rejoice in that salvation. Though now, for a season. How many of you have been in that season where it's not so much fun? It says right here, though now for a season. Now, what are those next three words in your King James Bible? If. Need be. Now, you got to get a hold of this. You see, for without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You must believe that God is, and that God is good. Now, where that applies in this passage, it says, 
Though now, at this point in your life, for a season, for a time in your life, a season is not a day. We only have four of them every year. In the land of Israel, they only had two. A season is an extended period of time. But God is not going to put you in that season without need. He is not going to ask you to go through heaviness with no end in sight, with no goal, with no reason, with no purpose. Oftentimes when we read the book of Job, uh, we just throw up our hands and say, Wow, why did God put Job through all of that? You know what? That's one question God doesn't answer. We can see a few things. We can see that God was trying, well, not trying, but God was using Job and his suffering to rebuke the devil. Do you know it's important to God to prove the devil wrong at every point? God likes to do that. And He likes to use us to do that. Because there's nothing more offensive to the devil than having a puny little human being do something that totally thwarts and renders him powerless. Oh, there's nothing he hates more than that. And yet, that's what God was doing in the book of Job. Somebody said God let Job suffer so he could bless him more. Well, Job already was the richest man in the East at the beginning of the book. How much richer than the richest man do you need to be? That wasn't God's purpose. And by the way, there were some things in Job's own heart that needed to be straightened out in the book of Job as well. Now, weren't there? And there was no other way for God to get to those things except to put Job through that season of heaviness. You see, God is going to test your faith. Because faith is supposed to work. You know, it's one of the things I just don't understand. Every once in a while, you're going to see, you see these cars cruising up and down the streets in New York City, capable of doing 180, 190 miles an hour, capable of doing a three-second, 60 miles, zero to 60 in less than three seconds. I mean, that is, that is fast. That is really, really fast. What purpose does a car like that serve in this city? How many of you would take a $300,000 car and drive it across the Triborough Bridge? And pay money to rip the undercarriage and destroy the suspension of your car. I don't get that. That's why I want uh, not a very expensive car. Amen? I don't want to feel bad about those things. But people have all of that horsepower and all of that incredible performance so they can drive 20 miles an hour. If they're obeying the speed limit, That's not even first gear, my friend. 
Listen. God doesn't want us having a flashy, showy faith that serves no purpose. He wants a faith that works. And in order for God to help us understand how our faith works, He's going to test us. And you know what happens when we get tested? It says that you're going to be in heaviness. Now, do I need to explain what heaviness is to anybody here? What it means to be in heaviness? That, that's not a pleasant time. That's when you can actually feel the weights of this life pressing in on you. That's when things are not just happy and everything is wonderful. When, when you're in heaviness, it, it means that, that things are, are weighing you down, that you can feel it. And it said, if need be, for this season, you're in heaviness. Why? Through manifold temptations. Now, don't raise your hand, but how many have ever been there where it just seems like the devil is on a 360 frontal attack? That he is just all the way around at the same time. You, you cannot. And, and I've heard people say, well, you just got to fight one battle at a time. Well, that may make sense in a military sense, but that's not going to help you when you have manifold. That means multiply different directions, different channels of temptation in your life. When, when you are facing pressure at all 360 degrees of the spectrum, that old hymn, Hold the Fort, takes on a whole new precedent, doesn't it? And I know some preachers that don't like that song. We're not supposed to hold the fort. We're supposed to... Uh, the Bible says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and he that runneth into it is safe. I'm going to hold the fort. How about you? Uh, the fighting of the battle belongs to Jesus Christ. That's the difference between true Christianity and fake Christianity. I don't fight the battles Jesus does. But he's going to test my faith. And I'm going to feel it. But I have to understand some things. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire. The trial of your faith, this season of testing, of heaviness that is upon you, the manifold temptations attacking at every direction, the Bible says that's much more precious than of gold that perisheth. How many people have been murdered for just a little bit of gold? People put a pretty high priority on gold, do they not? In fact, there was a time in this city where our, our police chief said, if you're going to wear gold chains, cover them up until you get into wherever you're going. Don't wear them in the streets and don't don't expose them in the subway. Some of you remember that. 
He said, because you're, you're, what you're doing is you're making yourself a, tar- a target for these people who are trying to steal things from you. And so, here is what he is telling us, that the trial, the testing of our faith, is much more precious than gold that perishes. Now, I don't want to go here, but you think that's what James is talking about in James chapter 1, when it says rejoice when you fall into diverse temptations. Uh, there's another place that is giving commentary and understanding to this passage, but the point that we're trying to make here this morning is that the trial, the testing, that season of heaviness is something that we look at and we say, Lord, please take it away from me. When Peter's telling us it's more precious than any commodity that you could obtain here on earth. Now that gives you a little different perspective, does it not? It, it ought to make us look a little differently at, at things that are difficult in life. Because here is the purpose of that trial. And, and by the way, it's as though it be tried with fire. God isn't messing around when He tries. When He puts your faith on trial, when He tries your faith, when He tests you, it, it's not... This is a test of the emergency broadcast system. And then they go off the air. That is not what God does. He lights up the flame torch. And it's going to do something. Things are going to get burnt. And guess who's going to be first on the list? You are. Because God's going to test your faith. And He's not playing games. God is serious about faith. It's the difference between heaven and hell. It's the difference between having a relationship with God and just pretending. God's deadly serious about faith. We treat it so lightly sometimes. God doesn't. He says, though it be tried with fire. Do you think Peter understood what he was saying when he said, though your faith... Though your faith be tried as as a fire, uh, I think Peter had had some things in his life. He knew what God was talking about here. He had felt the heat. He had felt that pressure. He had been in that season. He says, "Might be found." What might be found? Well, if you're into English, you have to understand that these are phrases that are put together to make one thought. And he's saying, the trial of your faith is much more precious than of gold that perisheth. The trial of your faith is much more precious than gold that perisheth. Though it be tried with fire, though, though that testing come at a very difficult way, that that trial of your faith might be found unto praise and honor and glory. You see... God is putting your faith to the test because He wants praise to His name for faith in your life. He wants honor given to His name for faith 
that is, that is exposed in your life. He wants people to glorify Himself. God wants us to give Him glory because of faith that is tried in your personal life. When? What's the time period? At the appearing of Jesus Christ. You know what? That hasn't happened yet. This prospect of bringing glory and honor to His name is yet future. Again, if we wanted to make a cross-reference, we go to Ephesians chapter 2 where it says that in the ages to come He might show forth the goodness of His grace toward us. That in the ages to come, let's read that verse. I don't want to, I'm, I'm not quoting it right this morning, I'm sorry. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7 says that in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. You see, verse 8 puts it in context, whom having not seen. Every once in a while, somebody will come up with a, I I saw Jesus standing at my bed. No, you didn't. That wasn't Jesus. If you want to see Jesus, there's only one way to see him today. Right here. That's how you see Jesus. Jesus. We haven't seen Jesus, not a one of us. But if you're saved today, you love the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If you believed on Him. And it tells us, Though now ye see Him not yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. You know what? I'm saved today. I don't have to wait till I get to heaven to be saved. How many religions, you, you go there all your life, you attend church or whatever they call a service on Sunday, and they'll say, maybe someday you'll be good enough to get to heaven. Uh, the Roman Catholics have qualified it this way. As you die and you go to purgatory, which is just a place exactly like hell with one exception. It's only temporary. And you burn off all the things that you did. Who's paying for your sins? According to their faith, you pay for your sins. According to the Bible, it would take you all eternity to pay for your sins. Therefore, it's just a figment of man's imagination. The Buddhist religion, they put it this way. You come back as a maggot and you get stepped on and you die. And you come back as a cockroach and then you come back... If you're really good, you get to come back as a, 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 as a, a nice animal like a horse or, or something like that. And, and uh, I met one guy, he said, I've lived 10,000 lives. I said, it must have been awful short. He said, what do you mean? I said, how do you get 10,000 lives in only 6,000 years of human history? Oh, no, we've been here for ages beyond. I said, no, no, we haven't. Doesn't work that way. You see, 
Here's what the Bible says. Whom having not seen, ye love, and whom though now ye see him not yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your salvation, the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. I'm saved today, not because of my goodness, but because of God's. I'm going to receive that salvation when I lay aside this human flesh, this body in which I live, I'm going to be wrapped with His righteousness. And I'll get a glorified body at the resurrection. And what a wonderful time that will be forever to be with the Lord. Amen? But we're not there yet. We're, we're going to have some seasons of heaviness. And if we don't get the right attitude toward this testing of our faith, we're going to find out that our faith doesn't work the way that God intended it to be because it's not rooted in God, it's rooted in us. That's why he's got to test it continually. Have you ever been brought to the end of yourself? If you haven't been, you need to get there. You need to let God test you. Now, I want you to turn to a very famous story in the Bible. Genesis chapter 22. There's really only two verses in the Bible that talk about faith and trial. We read it in 1 Peter. The second one is in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. So, what the writer, author of Hebrews is telling us that Abraham was tried, his faith was tried when God came to him and said, I want you to offer up Isaac on an altar. How many are familiar with this story, Genesis chapter 22? And we'll, we'll take a moment and we'll just walk through the story. And there's some words in here and people say, well, wow, that, that's not right and Yes, it is. The Bible is right. In verse 1, it says, And it came to pass, after these things, that God did tempt Abraham. Now, people say, God, God doesn't tempt people. Well, the word tempt means to test, to try. The devil is tempting you to do sin. When God tempts us, He's tempting us to do righteousness. Same word. Different source. Different result. Are we together or do we need to do that again? You see, Hebrews explains to us that God tried Abraham's faith. It's the, wor- it's the same word. Uh, And when God tries us, when God tempts someone, He's not trying to get you to do something wrong. God never, read James chapter 1, 
never tries to get you to do anything wrong. But sometimes he's got to stretch us a little bit. Sometimes he's got to do something to us to kind of shake us a little bit and get us to wake up. And boy, I'll tell you what, if you're familiar with what's about to happen in this chapter, I don't know any any greater way God could have just shook Abraham up than, than what was about to happen. And so God comes and he tries his faith, he tempts him and Abraham says, Behold, here am I. And if you'll read the chapters before, uh, God had blessed Abraham and God had promised Abraham that he would receive a son and he changed his name from Abram to Abraham and gave him promises that in his seed all the families of the earth would be blessed. And, and, and all of these things Abraham said. Now God shows up in chapter 22 and Abraham says, Wow, what's going to happen next? When he found out, we're back to First Peter chapter 1. It's a season of heaviness, don't you think? Verse 2, And he, God said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Now, I want us to, most of us know what happened. God told him Abraham rose up early the next morning. He prepared. He went a three days journey to this mountain. He left the servants there. Only he and Isaac went up to the top of the mountain. Abraham didn't want anybody being uh, involved in trying to stop him from being obedient to God's word. He bound Isaac, his son, and and something that ought to be a, a, a take some time to think upon is how did a 115-year-old man bind a 15-year-old boy? Uh, I believe Isaac had some, gave Dad some help. I, I believe that he willingly surrendered because the Bible tells us that Isaac was a man of faith as well. You see, God was doing all kinds of things in this story. He was trying Abraham's faith. And just before Abraham did the fatal deed, God calls him out of heaven and says, don't harm this lad. He says, I have a substitute. And there is a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. And he says, you take that one and offer it up for your son. And I want us to go down to the end here and I want us to read uh, what Abraham said. In verse... 14, and Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. That title of God there means God will provide. Now, what did Abraham say? If you'll go back to verse uh, 8, Isaac asked him a question, where is the lamb? Verse 8, Abraham said, my son, God will provide. What's that next pronoun in there? He didn't say God will provide for himself or God will provide a lamb for himself. He said God will provide himself a lamb. 
somewhat prophetic, wasn't it? But that prophecy would have never come out of Abraham's mouth if God hadn't put him in that season of heaviness. Because there's only one thing on Abraham's mind at this point. I've got to do what God said. Now, I want us to think a few minutes and just examine this. Testing this trial of Abraham's faith and see if we can find some applications for you and I today. Was there any possible way that Abraham, through his own understanding of God and of the Scripture, could have any clue that this test was coming? Was there any way that Abraham could have figured out that God might require this thing of him? You see, it had not yet entered into the heart of man what God had to do, was going to do, to obtain our eternal redemption for us. Abraham was called the friend of God. That was his nickname in the Bible. That was his sobriquet, if you like big words. That was how he was known. That was his attribute. And what do friends do with friends? They share things, don't they? They share a common spirit. They, they share and, and they... Tell one another of what is going on in their lives. And here's what God was doing. God was telling his friend what it was going to take to save mankind from their sins. Eve didn't understand it. Enoch didn't understand it. Do you think Moses understood it? How about the apostles that walked with Jesus? Did they understand it? Not until after it was all said and done. Uh, Abraham got it. You see, when God puts your faith on trial, it's not going to be something that you can figure out. And by the way, I don't know how else to say this. If you go out and play in traffic and get run over, that is not your faith being put on trial. All right? Uh, you trying to beat that little blinking light at the end and somebody else is trying to beat the light and you two meet, you're going to lose. Just uh, plan on it. That's not God trying your faith. Uh, that is you reaping what you've sown, Right? But when God tries your faith, He is going to blindside you, as we might say. He's going to bring something in your life that you're not expecting. He is going to put you on ground where you don't know what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to behave, other than what the Bible already says. Abraham didn't have a Bible. God had never asked for human sacrifice. 
And yet God shows up and says, I want Isaac, your only son. The writer of Hebrews tells us how simple Abraham's faith was. God gave me Isaac and promised that in Isaac my seed would be called. God wants Isaac sacrificed on an altar. Therefore, God is going to raise Isaac from the dead. And Isaac will be my heir, just as God said. Does anybody have a problem with how A plus B equals C there? The, the line of logic that follows through that. That's not a complicated thing. If God said that Isaac was going to produce the line, then Isaac had to be alive at the end of this test. And that's all Abraham believed. You see, God was trying to teach Abraham something that he couldn't teach any other way. How in the world was Abraham going to know exactly what God was going to go through unless he went through that himself. How many of you have things that you have to do that you just hate doing? I mean, we all do, don't we? Anybody here do their own taxes? Oh, I hate doing taxes. But I do them because they're too expensive to have somebody do them for me. And so, you sit there in your mind and you just go over it, don't you? Oh, I can't stand this. Oh, I can think about it. I mean, I go to sleep reading forms and I, oh, just, I just hate it. Let me ask you a question. Do you think Abraham was going, I'm going to have to kill my son? I'm going to have to burn his body to ashes and then God's going to bring him back. How many times in three days did Abraham run through that in his soul? Do you think that produced a good feeling in Abraham? Or do you think it may have qualified as a commentary on 1 Peter chapter 1, though if need be there's a season of heaviness that to try all of your faith And I believe that Abraham had enough faith to understand that whatever God was doing, it was in Abraham's best interest. You know, that's something that we don't get. We we believe that God is doing things in our best interest when they agree with what our little brain up here thinks is good. And when all of a sudden... That, that little switch gets flipped and pain starts being perceived upon the future. We say, God, why are you doing this to me? When we should be saying something far more precious than any commodity of exchange knowing to man is being given to me by God. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. I'm not telling you that my attitude is always perfect when it comes to this. I hope you understand when I'm preaching, I'm not only preaching to you, I'm preaching to me too. Because we need to be encouraged. I figure if it's a battle in my life, it's probably a battle in some other people's lives too. And we need to understand that when that season of heaviness comes, God is giving us something more precious than gold. But I want to warn you, the fire is real. The blisters are real. 
The pain is real. But God is working something. He is trying to accomplish something that is going to bring honor and glory and praise to His name. Now, if you were here for Sunday school, we found out what happens to people who try to bring honor and glory and praise to their name. Read Acts chapter 5 if you weren't here. It's not a nice story. But this idea of a trial is a season of heaviness that God is putting on us so that we can understand No, I'm sorry, so that we can bring glory to His name. Now let me tell you something. Abraham had no way of seeing this coming. Abraham had no way to explain what God was asking for. Did he? No, it doesn't make a bit of sense. Why would God ask for human sacrifice? That's crazy. Especially Isaac, my son, the son of promise. It took me a hundred years to get this boy and God wants to take him, but he's going to give him back. Don't ever part with that. Abraham knew that when this whole thing was over, Isaac had to be alive and with him on the other end. Otherwise, that's not faith. That's foolishness. Because God had already, faith never contradicts Faith. Faith never precludes other faith. So Abraham, really and truly, in his own mind and heart, according to the writer of the book in Hebrews, received his son resurrected from the dead, just as God did in reality. Are we still together? But Abraham couldn't see this coming. There's no way. When God puts you to te- faith to the test, you're not going to see it coming. That's why I often tell people, especially my kids when they get ready to go to Bible college, Dad, what's it going to be like? I can't tell you. Because no matter what you prepare for, it's going to be different. I can tell you that. And they all come back saying, I thought it was going to be like this. I thought my problems were going to be here, but that, that was the easy part. Yeah, that's, why, that's the way God works. And by the way, you can't explain why God does what God does. If you could, you'd be as smart as God is. And if you need that bubble pop, i gladly do it. You're not. Amen? Uh, nobody is. By the way, this is where we really get messed up when it comes to the test of our faith. Abraham did not try to explain that he didn't understand. That's what happened to Job. Job tried to explain why God would put him through such trial and trouble And only as far as Job's reasoning could go, God had to have made a mistake. And that's why Job got in trouble at the end of the book. Because God doesn't 
ever make mistakes. How many of you have ever tried to explain something to a little child? Isn't that fun? Why? 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 Because I said so. Ooh. Okay. End the conversation. How many of us have tried God's patience by just standing there going, Why, God, do I have to suffer like the way? When God is actually giving us something more precious than any uh, commodity of trade that we could think about, more precious than gold that perishes, is the trial of our faith. It's going to be tried with fire. You can't explain it. Abraham couldn't see it coming. He had no basis to explain why God had asked this thing. And he didn't bother telling anybody else about what God was doing in his life because he knew they'd try to stop him. All Abraham did was obeyed God's word. But I want you to get this. He didn't do the best he could. He did better. Abraham did, through faith, something that is humanly impossible to do in the right spirit. He took his son, the son of promise, and somehow he explained enough to that son that he was willingly bound and laid upon that altar. You know, there's just a part of me wishes I could hear that conversation. But you know what? The Bible says I don't need to. And so it withholds that from us. You know why? Because Abraham's communication to Isaac was something that God was using in their lives. And if you and I had it, we'd probably use it as an excuse to do something wrong. Faith is obeying God's word, period. It's not doing the best you can. You see, when we do something the best we can, there's always that out. There's always that little escape port. Well, don't you understand, officer? 25 miles an hour is ridiculous. I was doing the best I can. This car does 50 miles an hour in first gear. I can't drive that slow. Are you still going to get a ticket? Uh, Yeah. You see, when it was all said and done, Abraham got something that no other living human being got until after the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He got to see into the mind and heart of God's redemptive plan for man. Do you think that brought rejoicing in Abraham's heart? 
with joy unspeakable and full of glory? I, I think it did. I really believe that it did. And you see, Abraham had an intimacy with God himself that was shared by very few other people in all of history. Why? Because God tried Abraham's faith. And Abraham understood enough about faith that, hey, it's only for a season. Number two, it needs being. Number three, it's more precious than any commodity of exchange known to mankind than gold that perisheth. The fire is real. The suffering is real. The anguish of my soul is real. But when it was all said and done, now I know. The writer was Moses. He wrote the book of Genesis. That was uh, on nearly 400 years later. I'm I'm sorry, I'm getting it. Yeah, Uh, not 400. it It was several hundred years later that Moses wrote the book of Genesis. And it says, as it is said unto this day. How many of you caught that as we read that? So all these hundreds of years later, we're still waiting for it to be seen in the Mount of God. It wasn't until David would go there uh, when the angel of the Lord was wreaking judgment. Seventy thousand dead in the land of Israel and his sword was extended over the city of Jerusalem. And God told David's prophet, go offer a sacrifice on Mount Moriah. Same place. Solomon built a temple there. Islam claims their second most holy site is there because Ishmael was on the rock and not Isaac. Sounds like somebody's got a vested interest in altering history to their own means, does it not? It was Isaac. And Abraham was tried because long before Muhammad was born, Jesus suffered on that same hill. It was no more atonement. It was now redemption. It was no more waiting for the promises. They had been fulfilled. We receive the salvation of our souls because of what Jesus accomplished on Calvary's hill. And at an empty tomb. You see, you're supposed to try the spirits, but God's going to test your faith. Because, not because he wants to see what is going to happen. He already knows. God would never have tested Abraham if he didn't already know that Abraham had the faith to get through the test. Do you get that? And when it was all said and done, Abraham 
was able to see something that God was going to do to save mankind. And to identify with God and the pathos. And we, we treat God as if he didn't care that Jesus was suffering on the cross. That's why the story of Abraham is there. How much suffering did Abraham do in the three days it took to get up there? In the binding of his son and laying him on that stack of wood and in preparing that knife and getting everything ready to go. At the very last second, after he had already committed that act a thousand times in his own mind and heart, God said, don't. I have substitute for you. But there won't be a substitute when my son dies. Because he's the only one that can pay the price for the sins of the world. See, there's only one way to get saved. By grace through faith. Amen. And God's going to test your faith. You're not going to see it coming. You're not going to be able to explain it. By the way, it would probably be good if you didn't try to explain it to somebody else. Not until it's all over. Then you have the answer. Amen? That doesn't mean you can't ask people to pray for you. That's fine. But Abraham just obeyed God. He got tired of doing the best that he could. And he did what God said instead. And it opened the door to the greatest intimacy and knowledge that any human being possessed. Until the disciples began to write the finished record of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, for our sins. Do you get that? He was offering Abraham something that was so very precious, not worthy to be compared to anything that we have here on earth. Abraham got it. That's why the record's here. The question is, when God shows up on your doorstep and says, time for a season of heaviness, are you going to complain and fuss? Or will you embrace it as something precious that God wants to give to you and let him take you through that time of testing so that your life can give glory and honor to his name? Let's pray. And dear, dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. And Lord, this morning... I have tried to explain and preach about something that is very deep. And Lord, I ask that the Holy Spirit would give grace to minister these words and give understanding. Lord, that we would understand that even though this is a very... Deep, deep truth. It's also very simple. It's just trusting God. Just obeying God. In spite of what's going on around us.
Lord, we pray first for individuals that may be in this room that do not know you as their Savior. That they would understand that the great things that have been preached about in this sermon are not theirs and never will be until they surrender to you in simple salvation. Lord, we pray for those that are in the time of trial. They're in that season of heaviness that they would look at it differently and understand that it does need to be. And that you will bring glory and honor and praise to yourself if only we will allow you to move us by your word. Lord, we pray for our church. That our church may bring honor and glory and praise to your name. It's in Jesus' name we pray that you would do this work through your Holy Spirit in individual lives here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as Andrew comes and leads us in the hymn of invitation. If you need to come, now is the time.